0: What is GDPR? And more importantly, how does it impact you and your company? Join internationally known data privacy data protection expert Jonathan Armstrong and Tom Fox, the compliance evangelist, to learn more about the burgeoning world of data privacy and data protection. After listening to this episode, you'll walk away with a greater understanding of what this means for you and your organization. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, I have a special guest, Jed Gardner. He is with Line Data Technology, and we take a look at the data transfer issues raised in the Shrimps 3 decision in Validating Privacy Shield. I think you will find it extraordinarily interesting and very useful. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode, and today I have with me Jed Gardner, Jed is the Senior Vice President at Line Data Technology Services. Uh, he was on the podcast, or a podcast, earlier this year, and we had a pretty big development in July around data privacy, and so we I've been exploring this uh, issue in all, it's all various ways, shapes, and forms, so I asked Jed if he would uh, come back, and he's taking some time to visit with me today, so Jed, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for coming back to visit with me today. Thanks for
1: having me again, Tom. Great to be here.
0: So, uh, US, EU, UK, data privacy is always on the mind of your clients and my listeners. Um, We had uh, a case that I've called SHRIMS3, others have called it SHRIMS2, others have called it the death of Privacy Shield. Whatever it was, it was a huge shockwave in the data privacy arena. So I was wondering if maybe you could just start with a little background as to uh, EU, U.S. data privacy, why the views are so divergent and why it's important to every, not only corporate compliance officer, but every corporation now.
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's interesting. And um, coming from my point of view as well, I'm a a British citizen who lives in the U.S. And so, um, obviously, I've, I've had... Um, quite mixed feelings over some of this, um, and, and the history really is that um, the EU has, has um, since it was developed, and since um, especially um, data privacy um, in the form of soft data has become, um, you know, prevalent. Um, and, and when you're thinking about it purely, just from the point of view of individuals, families, um, just for, just from that point of view. Uh, it's really important to, to individuals, especially in the uh, EU, and something that was seen very very positive when the EU started to address it for individuals Um and and in particular, I think the you know the the understanding that the eu um and the u s in particular the uk especially and the u s um tend to have um off, uh, similar um layouts of businesses where businesses are functioning across the transatlantic um and and so that's that was really where this, this, this concept um, came from. And, and it started out as something actually called Safe Harbor um, around the year 2000, which was originally the um, agreement signed between uh, the EU and the US, but um, the EU had recognized with the development of the Internet and um, and the transfer of digital data across the transatlantic that the data protection directive from the EU was, um, uh, didn't quite match up to, e- to US data privacy laws. And that purely really came down to the fact that the US has never really, from a federal point of view, um, been entirely clear about what data privacy laws really look like. There is some rough guidance, but really it's kind of down to the states to define that. Um, and for the EU, where you've got a 28-country member state, effectively, um, that uh, that that. Uh, that sign up to what what was uh, called really a directive um, when the, the data protection directive was, was created, which is um, in the EU, for those that don't know, there's uh, directives and there's regulations. And directives are where the EU will do something similar to what the US does, where they'll say, here's a broad framework of what we expect. You can now implement it in the way that you want to, but these are the guidelines that you need to follow to follow um, the European directive. Um, And and then you have the regulations, which is we now are going to tell you exactly how you have to follow this and you can't deviate from the plan. Um, So the data uh, protection directive was uh, just a directive, um, but it was much harsher and, and, um, and seen as a lot more protective than the U.S. data privacy laws at the time. So that was this agreement that was made in 20, uh, in 2000. Um, in 2012 the EU decided that actually it would prefer to take data privacy into a regulation rather than a directive and so came up with GDPR, um, which is the now the EU um, uh, regulation of data privacy. That applies to all 28 member states at the end of this year when uh, the UK leaves uh, the EU through Brexit. It will apply to 27 member states, Um, but the UK is planning to take GDPR as its basis for data privacy moving forward. But this was negotiated between the 28 member states from 2012 and actually only really came into effect in 2018. But during that period, um, it was felt in the EU that the, the 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 safe harbour agreement wasn't strong enough. And this really comes from a point of view of um, U.S. surveillance and the way that it's carried out and the the rules that that apply to it. Then you have the 2013 situation um, where um, the uh, NSA surveillance programmes and data um, were uh, were uh, released under an unauthorised activity um, and the – EU, uh, it really it really put some doubt into the minds of the EU around um, how data was really being protected and, and what level of surveillance was being carried out and how that surveillance was being applied to EU citizens. So, um, so with that in mind, um, the EU-US Data Privacy Shield was put in place in 2016 and the Safe Harbour Agreement was deprecated in 2015. And the idea behind that was that, um, you, knowing what GDPR was going to look like, the um, the, the EU um, wanted the US to sign up to um, to a much tighter data privacy rule set. Um, and and it's it's in, important to note that this was a voluntary um, agreement, so uh, businesses could sign up to the Data Privacy Shield in order to get a much uh, a much more Guided way of applying data privacy across the transatlantic, um, and basically what 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 happened up until um, uh, the, um, the the deprecation of the EU US data privacy shield um, in July was that five thousand three hundred SMEs um, uh, and and some large businesses had signed up in the USA and um, voluntarily to follow the scheme to make sure that they could process and transfer data, EU data into the US to be able to use it. Um, and obviously, um, in July, the, the the decision was made. And uh, as you said, Shrems 2, Shrems 3, either way, um, it's another Shrems um, impact to data privacy um, that has kind of come out of Switzerland um, to a point and um, has really impacted the... The uh, the data privacy regulations between the U.S. and the EU, and uh, I think it's pretty detrimental and, and a, a, a huge impact for businesses right now.
0: Jed, um, you alluded to this a little bit earlier, but there's been a complete abrogation from the U.S. federal government around doing anything around data privacy, either because they cannot or will not. That's left it to, as you correctly noted, the 50 states. There have been some states that are more aggressive. Obviously, California comes to mind for consumer data. Uh, and some states, I'm in the great state of Texas, and uh, it's the Wild West here uh, in many ways, and really everything in between. And because of this abrogation by the U.S. federal government, what I see is businesses gravitating towards a solution that will meet the requirements of GDPR, even if that law is not applicable uh, inside the US. Is, is that something you're seeing? And and is this transatlantic trade going to drive a level of data privacy in the United States far beyond what is required by US law simply to comply with GDPR?
1: Looking at it from a technology point of view, um, which is usually where I come at it as a technologist, um, um, you know, outside of the legal frameworks that can be used. And um, if data is being transferred for um for everyday um operations and is being processed um then you you have to consider all of that data right and you have to consider it all as a risk um, you know, GDPR really really dictates that you have to have processes in place to um, to classify data, discover data, and to be able to delete it. But you also have to be able to hold it in a way that means that it can't be deleted. So there are considerations around technology considerations around how you do that. Um, if you're using um, what's called an electronic communication service provider. Um, you know, Microsoft is one. Amazon is one. Uh, let's let's just use an example where you have um, one drive for business, and you're storing all of your data there. And you have um, information on your clients that you're shipping things to the US, or you know, for the for the investment firm. Um, portfolios that they're they're holding for for large European clients in the us um, then you really have to think about how you're deploying your public cloud and and the structure in which you're moving things around the um, the 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 public cloud providers do offer an opportunity to hold data in different regional areas, dependent on where that data needs to reside. And um, you know, some some businesses who didn't sign up to the EU-US um, Privacy Shield, they are mostly already considering that as a as a deployment methodology. But the 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 real um, consideration that that needs to be made is, what data do I have? Find it. Make sure that you're uh, that you know where it is. Make sure you've classified it, and and then make sure that you have the processes in place to deal with it, and then consider which region it needs to sit in is, is the process. But these these um these providers, um or these electronic communication service providers, um that are holding data. Um, we, you know, we in the future as technologists, we all have to think about where that data now resides and, and where it should be uh, to fulfill the processes that GDPR require. One of the big, big pieces of this is CRM and HR data. Um, you know, these companies that are transatlantic, they've bought into to some CRM products that's probably hosted in public cloud it's got HR data in there, and typically they're not restricting where that data lives for European employees. So all of that data gets replicated both sides of the of the trans, transatlantic or or the their the data sitting in the US or both sides. Um, you end up with a situation where um, you've got very, very sensitive data. Um, that, you know, uh, even payment data around bank accounts, which is really, really serious. Um, that's going to be the one of the biggest focuses that has to be um, managed. And if we don't manage that as technologists, then we're not creating an environment that's going to meet GDPR uh, regulation. And I would even say with legal agreements, and I, I trust lawyers um, mostly, um, <laughs> uh, they uh, – yeah, absolutely. Um, they, um, they, you know, they, they, it, it's, it's okay to go and argue it, right? You, there's always a chance you're going to lose. Just take that data and put it in the right region. There's no reason to take the risk. And ultimately, if you go to your legal team and say, look, we've got a a, a, um, a te- technological solution to dealing with this that doesn't require any kind of legal requirements, they will opt for that, right? They're, they're only there really for the last case scenario.
0: Could there be another approach, which is uh, what I would call a business solution to a legal issue, but similar to Microsoft, where uh, a company decides to go full GDPR compliant as a business differentiator so that they can more easily do business and, and hold themselves out as the company you can do business with literally on a worldwide basis? So I think
1: that, uh, it's, that, that's a great question. I think there's so many different angles on this. Um, I'll, I'll stick to a few. Um, I think there's going to be – the way that I see it, I think there's going to be a few things that are going to happen both in the EU and the US. Um, I think in the US in particular, California are leading the way. And, you know, if you go and review um, the the consumer policies right now, they are working their way towards a GDPR style um, privacy law, which is, um, you know, very progressive. And, you know, uh, and that's that's great. And I know that New York have started the process of looking into it as well, Um, which means that I think you'll start to see that um, that uh, uh, that it'll be easier to do business in these locations. Once that happens, you know, and and um, Tom, you were just saying um, recently, Silicon Valley started to migrate to, to Texas. You know, Dallas in particular. There's a lot of technology businesses starting to move their headquarters over to to Texas because of the lower wages, taxes, all kinds of things. Easier to do business. If, you, if the Texas doesn't catch up, you'll see those businesses moving back to California because all of a sudden it's easier to do global business with, you know, 28 countries in the state. Um, and new york will benefit from it too and this is you know it, it's not just seen as progressive and i know that um you know there's different views on this but it's also seen in my opinion as quite smart from a business point of view and from an economic point of view that these states will take this on and, and move with it because i do see that that's going to benefit now um then you've got the eu side right and um the uk leaving the eu is a big deal um and you know it's 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 unprecedented, we're all learning as we go. But the one thing that the UK has come out and said is it will mostly follow GDPR, but not all of it, which um, will actually convince some European-based businesses to, to move their headquarters from Europe into the UK to make it easier to do business with the US, right? So, the question is, what comes, what comes first, right? <laughs> do, do we have uh the u s now adopting um privacy laws quicker to try and do business with the eu and make it easier to do business or do we see the u k all of a sudden become a very popular destination for businesses because of the uh that the 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 less tight regulation around uh gdpr and data privacy laws um and then and then businesses in the u s choosing to not be as strict with their data privacy laws but do business with the u k instead? That there's going to be some some positioning here, and it's it's difficult to see which way it's going to go. It's a question of speed and um and, and response and and some in some instances legal um uh, representation of what what is possible. Um, but I think um I think it's going to be really interesting to see the way that it plays out. There will still be the question around um, how uh, the 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 um the impacts of not following it are going to be implemented and the penalties are going to be handed out and what kind of enforcement um, European uh, the European government or businesses are able to um, enforce. Um, but I would definitely say that positioning businesses positioning themselves to follow GDPR so that they never put themselves in that position in the US and, until... Um until you know California really gets grip and New York gets grip of these 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 GDPR esque privacy laws, um it, it's definitely going to be a differentiator. Um but you know, in the meantime, um I, I I definitely think that there's a technology solution to this that solves the problem. Um and and I think in the meantime, to avoid any kind of legal issues or anything like that. Um, and, I, and I've and spoken to a lot of businesses that are starting to consider doing this, um, you know, is, is move European data into um, the the EU, get rid of it out of the US. If you need to process it, use remote working tool sets so that you never take the data out of the EU. You're just seeing it and processing it. So those are really, um, you know, the quick solutions to the problem, uh, you know, Becoming GDPR compliant took most UK businesses somewhere in the region of eighteen months, so it's not an easy task, and and there's a lot of things to consider around it, around um, you know the right to, to to know where your data is and the right to deletion. All of the, it sounds really simple when you say it that way, but providing that as a solution is is incredibly hard.
0: Well, Jen, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if any of our listeners wanted more information on line data technology or any of the topics you've covered today where can they find out
1: yeah so um i'm on linkedin um under Jake gardner um you'll see me working for line data on there um uh you know you can give me a call 203-892-2515 um alternatively go to the line data website um, www.linedata.com and under the services part of that um that website you'll find our technology services
0: well, Jed, as we continue to evolve on not only this story, this technology, and this issue both from the legal and business perspective, I hope that perhaps I could uh, call upon you to come back and we could visit about uh, where we might be at that point in time. Absolutely. No problem, so Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Life with GDPR. We're going to link to the quarterly compliance client alert uh, that – explores these topics in a little more in depth in our show notes, so check that out. Also, uh, check out uh, the quarterly website for a great number of resources around GDPR. Life with GDPR is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. During this corona health crisis, please be safe, stay safe, and stay sanitary. We look forward to visiting with you again next week.